feel comfortable doing. Give us as much information as you, as you feel comfortable. But especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter that comes out each Thursday, please put your email address on there uh, so we could uh, put you on the list. And that's a good opportunity to know about the uh, opportunities for worship and service and fellowship that we have at Community Baptist Church. Speaking of fellowship, I think it's good for us to share in fellowship together. So let me invite you to stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord this morning. Okay, as Hello, Sally. How you doing? It's great to see. You. Okay, as our uh, as we're taking our seats, we'd like to invite our children to come forward for our children's moment. Come on up, children. Miss Mary is up here. Come right here. Come on. Come on, children. You come on up. Yes, you can. Come on, Lydia. Come on, Mary. You guys want to come up on the stage? Come over here on the steps. Come up here on the stage with me because i got some things to show you. Uh-oh. I'll get up here and I won't be able to get down. Come right up here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Georgia and Neva and Mary and Sydney. There's Joe and Emily. Where's Meg? Come on, Meg. I knew you had to be there. How's everybody doing? Gosh, I love this time of year, don't you? Oh, I saw people in the parade yesterday. Meg, I saw you in the parade. You were too? You were? How did I miss all of you guys? You were too, Joe? I missed you too. Oh, well, I want to talk to you um, because, of course, you guys know this time of year is the best. And here are some reasons why it's the best. Happy birthday, Jesus. Christmas is coming. It's Jesus' birthday. And you guys have already answered where I was going with this. You are telling me what's the most important thing about this time of the season, right? Jesus' birthday. Is that more important than, like, I get my fancy jewelry? It is? Is it, is it better that I get to wear my Santa socks that you raise him up and you see his belly? It is? Good. Okay. Um, how about when you decorate your tree? Um, what's more important that we put... Look at this. Who is that? That's Jake. That's Jake. And there's Kelsey, baby's first Christmas ornaments. Oh, we always laugh when we get those. You want to see? Okay. And, and look at this one. You, look at Jake. You think he looks like he's having a fun Christmas? No. Woo, he looks like the Grinch on that one, doesn't he? Let's see what this one looks like. And look at these. Here, here's a CD that one of the teachers made. Who's that? Yeah, boy, she's changed, hasn't she? She's got teeth now. And last night when we were doing our trees, look at this one. We laughed and we said, Jake, what were you thinking? You know what this says? Can you read that, Lydia? Thanks for being good. Okay, obviously Jake wasn't thinking about his mom and dad. Thanks for being good presents is what he wrote. Yeah, yeah, he, he misspelled that too. Oh, and look at this. Kelsey and Jake actually act like they like each other. Look. How fun is that? Yeah. But what I want you guys to realize, oh, here's a couple more. Look, they're little candy cane pieces. Isn't that fun? 
You want to see that one? Okay. Aren't those fun to make ornaments? You guys, what I want you to realize, and I think if you guys, if your parents, can she see the angel? Yes. If you guys have brought, have been brought here this morning by your grandparents or your moms and dads, they already know what's important for you this Christmas season. What's important is for you guys to come to church and celebrate Jesus' birthday. And get to be together with your family. And get to be together with your family. That's important. I know you love your daddy and mommy, Neva, and that's great. But when we do ornaments, let's don't forget to do some kind of ornaments like this. What does that say? Uh, Happy birthday. Jesus, right. Okay. And then I have one more, and this is what we're going to do in children's church today. Do you guys know the candy that you hang on the tree? Candy what is candy, candy canes? Candy canes. Uh, and look, candy canes. You don't have this on it. Well, you know why I attached that on there? Because candy canes are good and they're peppery and they taste good and they make your breath smell better, right? You do. Well, look. Did you guys know that there was a different meaning on a candy cane? Let me read this poem, and this is what we're going to do in children's church today. It says. You ready to listen? Come on, Joe. It says, Look at the candy cane. What do you see? Stripes that are bred like the blood shed for me. Did you know that signifies that Jesus shed his blood for us? White is for my Savior, who's sin, sinless and pure. What's this letter? J. Huh, did you know that? Have you ever stopped to think about that? It's a J. Uh-huh. J is for Jesus, my Lord, that's for sure. Turn it around and a staff you will see. Jesus, my shepherd, shepherd, was born for me. You remember the shepherds and they have their staff by them? Okay, so that's what a candy cane is all about. There's one more thing that I want you guys to remember this Christmas season. And while I'm finishing up, Dane, would you put all those ornaments yeah. back in there for me? Thank you, sir. Miss Jika gave me this box, right? Is there a story behind this box? Okay. <laughs> it's old. And you can, I love it. Look, there's a glass handle. But this says, help the orphans. Well, you know, at this time of the year, we are so lucky to have our homes and our families and our church family and all that. But there are some people that need help this season. So every Sunday, the person that comes up here and does Children's Moment, we want you guys to drop some change in. I hope Santa Claus is not watching Joseph mess up his sister's hair. So, look, I knew that you guys probably would not have changed this morning. So as you come down the stairs, I'm going to give you a couple of... Actually, I'll have Kelsey come up and give you a couple of uh, coins. And when you come down the stairs, I'm going to have you put them in this box. And that way we can start filling this box up. So don't forget your change next week, okay? Pardon? At the end of the Christmas season, okay? So I'm going to come over here by the steps, and we'll go back to Children's Church. Yes, dear? Yes, you can. Okay, as you step down, you can put your money in the box. Please. Maybe time to go eat lunch. We're still out here playing.
Would you please join with me in prayer? Almost gracious Heavenly Father, as we come before you this day, we ask that you be with us as we are about to give of the blessings that you have bestowed upon us. We must truly remember that it is only through you that we have this monetary gain. And that this financial amount that we are about to give is necessary to keep this church going, to keep your word spreading, for us to keep doing your work. But also at this time we need to remember that it's not just money, but it is also our prayers, our friendship, and the labor of our hands, the labor of our backs that can get your word out into this world to support and lift everyone. Now as we are about to make this financial offering, let us do so in your name. Through Christ, amen.
Are you ready for Christmas yet? How many of you are ready for Christmas? Some are. Look at that. That's great. Uh, how many of you have decorated for Christmas yet? Okay. Some have. That's wonderful. Uh, how many have you of you have uh, set out a nativity set yet? Okay. Got some of those that are out there. Um, I love nativity scenes. I love nativity scenes, or at least most of them. Some of you have probably seen the pictures going around the Internet uh, recently about uh, the, the 20 um, worst nativity scenes in existence. Have you seen that? Anybody seen that? Has pictures of these nativity scenes out there, and they include characters dressed in first century garb such as dogs and cats and ducks and penguins. Let's see here if we can get one up. There's, there's a goose nativity. And, and, and look in the manger, the duck, the little rubber duck. Uh, there's a nativity scene in which all of the characters are, are leprechauns. And, uh, and, and there's even a nativity scene made of link sausage and bacon. You know, I, I'm not sure if it's appropriate to celebrate the birth of this child into a Jewish family with pork. It's pretty weird stuff. And, and, and I guess there are people who like that kind of thing, but I prefer the traditional nativity scene with the baby Jesus in a manger and Mary and Joseph uh, hovering adoringly over their child, the shepherds and wise men, assorted cattle and sheep and camels, and, of course, the donkeys. But as uh, Derek Aker has noted, there's always one person who is missing from these nativity scenes. He says, correct me if I'm wrong. I imagine that collectively we have seen a tremendous number of nativity scenes between us. So if you have found him somewhere, please let me know, he says. But have you ever seen John the Baptist in any of the nativity scenes that you have, that you have run across? He would be this hairy, unkempt, wild-looking guy wearing camel's hair. There would probably be a piece of locust stuck between his teeth, and he would have dried honey in his beard, louder than... Santa Claus saying, ho, 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 you would hear his voice screaming, you sons of snakes, who tipped you off of, about the wrath of God about to break over your head? Has anyone ever noticed a figure like that in any of the nativity scenes that you've seen? I didn't think so. At least I've never seen a nativity set with John the Baptist in it. Yet on the on the second Sunday of Advent every year, we encounter this strange, lonely figure sounding his message out in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. The gospel gives us a, a, a rough outline of John's life. According to Luke, John was Jesus' second cousin. And just like Jesus, John was, was born of a miraculous birth. You see, his parents were both very old when John was born. According to Luke's version, before the angel Gabriel came to Mary, he first appeared to an old priest named Zechariah who was performing his duties in the temple. And Gabriel told Zechariah that he and his wife Elizabeth would, would have a son, even though she was way past the age of having children. Well, Zechariah literally became speechless when he heard this, and his speech did not return to him until it came to the time for him to name his newborn son, John. Well, Elizabeth was about six months pregnant, when her much younger cousin Mary came to visit her and announced to her that she too was pregnant. 
But this child was from the Holy Spirit. And immediately when Mary said this, the child, the unborn child in Elizabeth's womb, John, jumped for joy. And so John the Baptist's birth was a very special birth, just as Jesus' birth was very special. Now, we don't know anything about John's childhood, but we do have a good picture of what he was like as an adult. He was probably the first hellfire and brimstone preacher. That was John the Baptist. And he was preaching all about righteousness and justice, and he called, for a, called people to a baptism of repentance. And the people, they'd never seen anything like this. And so they just ate it up. They just poured out of Jerusalem to hear him preach. And among those who came to be baptized by John was his cousin Jesus. And Matthew tells us that John didn't want to baptize Jesus. He didn't feel, feel like he was worthy to baptize Jesus. He said, I need to be baptized by you. But Jesus finally persuaded him to baptize him. Now, the scriptures are very clear about John's role in this drama of the nativity. You see, John was there to prepare the way of the coming of Christ. He came to prepare the way for the coming of Christ. And according to, to Luke 1.17, John's role was to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. There are several passages in the Old Testament which predicts this prophetic role that, that John filled, including Malachi 3.1 that refers to a prophet who would prepare the way of the Lord. Behold, I will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me, it says. Now the Jews of that day expect, uh, um, expected Elijah to come before the Messiah would come. In fact, many modern Jews even today continue to, to wait for Elijah to come. There's a tradition at Passover among Jewish people today of, of having a place set at the Seder dinner for Elijah to, to, to come and to join them at their Seder dinner. And this is why the disciples ask in, in Matthew 17, why then do the teachers say that Elijah must come first? But Jesus tells his disciples that Elijah has already come in the person of John the Baptist. So you see, this was the role that, that John would play in this whole nativity, this whole Advent season. It is to prepare the way for Jesus. Years ago, I was uh, very involved in, in, in bringing a Billy Graham crusade to Atlanta. It was truly a, a citywide ecumenical event that involved a lot of people and, and a couple of years of preparation to, to get this, this done. Before Dr. Graham came, he sent ahead of him representatives to meet first with the, the ministers of, of, in town to, to lay the groundwork and to to encourage us to be as involved as we can in the whole process and to involve our, our congregations as much as we could. Representatives uh, came throughout the, that time beforehand to handle the, the logistics, the time, the place, the lodging, the food, the volunteers, the follow-up, the training, and all of this kinds of stuff. Other representatives came and, and taught a course uh, that was designed to get the people of the churches spiritually prepared to receive Dr. Graham's word uh, that he would preach and to invite their, their friends to the crusades. And then finally the day, that, the, the day came that Dr. Graham came in and he preached each night for about four nights a very simple message. And if you ever heard Dr. Graham preach, you will re realize that what he says is very simple. He's not what I would call a, a tremendously eloquent speaker. He is simple. And he preached this simple gospel 
to these thousands of people each night. And the Spirit of God worked mightily. Bottom line, it was a tremendous success. Many lives were touched. Many lives were changed for the sake of Christ. But you know something? I've always wondered, I often wonder what the success of that crusade would have been like if it had not been for all of the preparation that went on beforehand. My friends, it is important for us to prepare our lives for the the work of God. And in much the same way that these representatives came to prepare for Dr. Graham to proclaim his simple message to thousands of people each night, John the Baptist came to prepare the way for Jesus. Now he did this by proclaiming a message of righteousness and justice. John's message was much harsher than than that of Jesus, but it was necessary because the people needed to know what was at stake before they could be open to the work of God. One writer compares the work of John the Baptist to that of a a doctor named Philip Semmelweis, who is today known as the Savior of Mothers. Back in 1818... Semmelweis was born into a world of dying women, particularly, particularly women who were dying after childbirth. Even in the finest hospitals in the world during that time in, in our history, about one in six women died to a scourge known as childbed fever. And here's why. A doctor's daily routine usually began in the dissecting room where he would go and and perform autopsies. And from there, he would make his way to the hospital to examine expectant mothers without the benefit of washing their hands. Well, Sonovice was the, the first person to associate these examinations with the infections and the ensuing deaths at the maternity wards. His own practice was to wash his hands with a chlorine solution. And, and after 11 years and 8,357 deliveries, he only lost 184 mothers, which is about 1 in 50, which was a tiny number in that day of primitive medicine. Well, Simmelweis uh, spent much of his time, much of his life, lecturing and debating with his colleagues. He argued that the fever is caused by decomposed material conveyed to a wound. He says, I have shown how it can be prevented. I have proved all that I have said. But while we talk and talk and talk, women are dying. I'm not asking anything world-shaking, he says. I am simply asking you to wash your hands. But virtually no one believed him. In spite of the the fact that various studies uh, showed that that hand-washing reduced the mortality rate to below 1%. Doctors and midwives have been delivering babies for thousands of years without washing their hands and No outspoken Hungarian was going to change them now. And so Semmelweis' practice earned widespread acceptance only years after his death when Louis Pasteur confirmed the germ theory. In 1865, a nervous breakdown or or possibly Alzheimer's landed Semmelweis in an asylum where he ironically died of septicemia at the age of 47. Incredible. Incredible. But you know, that's how we treat our prophets, isn't it? All he asked them to do was to wash their hands. And John came telling people to wash themselves. 
He didn't know anything. He didn't know of ways to protect their physical health, but he he knew what needed to be done to protect their spiritual health. Wash your sins away, he said. And that's what John's baptism was all about. You can't prepare the way of the Lord unless you get rid of your sins. And folks, let me tell you something. That is just as true for us today as it was for the people who heard John preach 2,000 years ago. So folks, if you're having a hard time getting into the Christmas spirit this year, then let me suggest that, that you, you take a, a, a good, deep look into your heart and see if there's a problem there. Maybe it's greed or lust or anger or resentment or guilt or bitterness or vengeance. Because here's the thing, sin always robs us of our joy, no matter what the season of the year may be. It steals the goodness that God wants here. Franklin Graham, Billy's son, tells about a woman named Tia Anna who discovered the joy that that comes to those who have been washed of their sins. You see, Anna grew up in the capital city of El Salvador. And as a young girl, she was abused by her family members, and so she ran away from home at the age of seven. Seven years of age. And once on the street, she had to to fight to survive, and eventually she did what many desperate young girls do in the streets. She turned to a life of prostitution just to, just to survive, just to get by. Well, the result of, of those tragic years as, as a prostitute made it impossible for her to, to have children of her own. And, and as her lifestyle took its toll on her, she became more and more desperate and more and more unhappy. And so she finally cried out to God, asking God to save her from that life that she was was living. Well, guess what? He did. He did. And Tia Anna turned her life over to the Lord and, and she began serving God. Well, Anna desperately wanted to have a child of her own, but she knew that that would never happen. And so once again, she sought the Lord and, 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 and laid, that, laid that burden that she had before the Lord and said, Lord, if you will just give me a child, I will raise that child to serve you faithfully. And Well, through the, the support and the encouragement of her church, She began to minister to the people on the streets, especially to the children of the prostitutes on the streets. And in the the process, the Lord brought into her life a young orphan girl. And Anna began to raise that child as her own. As time passed, Anna realized that there were so many children on the streets with no parents. So many. She noticed that the the daycare centers downtown were were closing, especially the ones that that cared for the children of prostitutes, leaving these children to, to fend for themselves on the streets, little tiny children all by themselves. And this broke her heart, so Anna opened the doors of her home and began to feed them and to love these little children, and now... Tia Anna runs a a daycare center that ministers to about 75 children every day. Anna told Graham, I tried to give them the most important value of life, to have faith in the name that is above all names, the Son of the living God. My friends, Anna has discovered the joy of Christmas The love of Jesus Christ reaching out from her heart to others. But first, she had to repent of her sins. You know what? You and I need to repent as well. 
let that sink in for a minute. You and I need to repent as well. And I know that our situation may not be as desperate as Tia Anna's. But we also have our issues with sin. Maybe it's the sin of being obsessed with our own needs and our own concerns and neglecting others. Maybe it's the sin of being obsessed with materialism and greed. Maybe it's the sin of being blind to the needs of others or a lack of compassion or bitterness. There was a Peanuts cartoon one time that featured Linus writing a letter to Santa Claus. The letter said, Dear Santa, please don't bother to come to my house this year. I realize that there are many children who will not have a Christmas at all, so go to someone more needy. Well, Lucy happened to buy, happened by and read this letter, and, and in exasperation she asked, What kind of letter is that? And Linus responds, I'm hoping he'll find my attitude refreshing. Well, I, I suspect that, that Santa Claus would find that attitude refreshing. But that's not where most of us are, is it? And I'm not just talking about the kids here. I'm talking about the adults too, especially the adults. The fact is that the more we have, the more we feel like we need. And the more we feel like we need, the less we feel like we have to share with others. And, and Christmas, have you noticed this? Christmas ironically brings out the worst in us. Have you noticed that? Have you seen some of the reports in the news lately about things going, out at, going on out in the shopping centers these days? Do you hear that story about that woman in, in California pepper spraying fellow shoppers in Walmart so that she could get her hands on that limited Xbox console? This in the name of Jesus. It was a Christmas present. I have a feeling that Jesus would not approve. But that's what we have done with Christmas. It has become something totally different from what we should be emphasizing. I was amused to read a review of a Christmas song that uh, Cliff Richards released in, in England a, a few years ago. The song was titled Savior's Day. Savior's Day. It reflected Richard's faith in, um, in Jesus. And it includes lines like, Life can be yours on Savior's Day. Don't look back or turn away. Good song. Well, a pop magazine reviewed the song, and, and this is what the reviewer had to say about Savior's Day. He said, The song's okay. It's okay. But there's no holly. There's no mistletoe. There's no wine or no presents around the tree. No Santa Claus. In fact, this song doesn't have anything to, to do with Christmas at all. <laughs> well, if that doesn't make you laugh, it'll make you cry. My friends, what have we done to Christ's birthday? I imagine John the Baptist would have a few choice words for us today, and he wouldn't pull any punches, I guarantee you that. And in essence, what he would say to us is that we need to repent. He would tell us that we need to open our hearts up to the real meaning of, of Christmas. He would tell us to, to look beyond our own needs to the needs of those less fortunate. Prepare the way for the Lord. We are too much like that proud mother named Mary who was trying to get her son ready for the church's annual uh, Christmas program. 
certain that uh, the church would clamor for her son's wonderful talent. She was looking forward to preparing him for the part of, of Joseph, you know, the starring role there. But when he only was selected for the, to play a wise man, she decided that he would be the best-looking wise man ever. And so even though she had an impossibly frantic holiday schedule, Mary finally finished making the costume complete with a, a bushy fake beard. And the pageant was fantastic, especially Billy, of course, according to, to Mary, and, and especially all the beautiful carols that the children sang. And, and so Mary praised Billy to the stars for singing all of those songs and being such a great wise man. And, and then the, after, the, after the program was over, the director announced that they were trying to establish a, a, a new wardrobe closet where costumes could be accumulated for future pageants. And so he asked if the children would be willing to donate their costumes. So Mary urged Billy to donate his costume, and he did, except for the beard. He didn't want to give up that beard. He continued to wear that beard and, and pressing him to hurry up so that they could get on to their next, the next thing on their schedule. He, he refused to give up that beard. And so Mary asked, well, why, Billy? And here's what, here's what Billy said. He said, Mom, you know all those songs in the pageant? Well, I never learned them. And with the beard on, I could just move my mouth and nobody knew. (laughs) When Billy said that, it suddenly hit Mary that she, too, was only going through the motions. And she didn't really know the songs. She was mouthing the words, but the spirit of praise was not there. So, folks, here's the question that I want you to ponder as we continue journeying, journeying along in this Advent season. Do you know the real song of Christmas? And are you singing it this season? John the Baptist did. Tia Anna did. And even Mary did after, after she thought about it for a little while. My friends, it's about preparing ourselves for the coming of the Lord by repenting of our sins, and by opening our hearts to the Lord of love. So are you ready for Christmas this season? Do you need to hear the voice of John crying out to you, repent, prepare the way of the Lord? Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. Go tell it on the mountain, number 95. And this is an invitation for you to uh, commit your lives to this child that John came to prepare the way for. Not only to the child. I know it's, it's, it's easy at a time like this to kind of sentimentalize Christmas. And, and we, we kind of go all soft at the sight of a little baby in a manger. And it's a, and, and it's a beautiful scene. And... And it kind of warms our hearts. But you know what? This baby in the manger came for something more than just softening our hearts and making, and making us emotional and fuzzy. This child came to establish God's kingdom. This child came to teach us what it meant to be a kingdom person. How we need to live our lives. How we need to put ourselves back at the back of the line and put others first, and especially God first. He came to challenge us to do things that are hard. Because it goes against the nature 
of our humanity. And that's why John's message was so harsh. To get us ready for that. And so I invite you today to make a commitment to this hard work of kingdom life. If you've never made a commitment to Christ today, I invite you to do it. To come and say yes to the kingdom that Christ came to betray, to bring. If you're looking for a church home to be a part of, we invite you to come and unite with our church this morning. Maybe you're having a hard time struggling with things in your life and Maybe there's sin in your life that you're, that's keeping you from that spirit of Christmas. Or whatever, we invite you to come and we'll pray. Would you come as we sing together, number 95, Go Tell It on the Mountain. So much. Please be seated for, for just a moment. Uh, we have some announcements to, to bring to you this morning. Um, first of all, if you have not uh, or if you have um, filled out your, your deacon election ballot, uh, if you've not passed that in or putting it in the offering a plate or anything, uh, let me encourage you to go ahead and finish that out and pass it down to the end of the aisle. And uh, Doris, if we could get some some ushers to pick these up at the end of the aisles and I would appreciate that. Uh, a few announcements that we have, uh, some things that are coming up in the next um, next few days and weeks and, and um, this week. Uh, the Women's Mission Group will be meeting tomorrow at Lana's house, and it's a, a potluck dinner. I think Lana is providing the meat. Is that right? And so the women are, are encouraged to bring anything else that you might want to bring, and that's at Lana's tomorrow at 6, 6 o'clock, 6 o'clock, Okay. Also, um, we have uh, tickets available for the Holiday Pops. This is at uh, the Fine Arts Center. And, and what this is is the, the Owensboro Symphony will be here on December the 10th, the Saturday, December the 10th, my birthday, by the way. And uh, so let me invite you to come help me celebrate my birthday at the uh, Holiday Pops. Um, this will be uh, a, a fundraiser for Habitat. All of the, it costs a lot of money to bring the pops here, but all of that money is, has been contributed by corporate sponsors. And so all the ticket sales will go towards Habitat for Humanity. So we have tickets available here. Uh, for adults, they are $15. For children under 12, they are $5. For children under 6, they are $0. And that, so you can't beat that. And... Um, uh, but parents are encouraged to come with children under six. <laughs> um, and, and if we get groups of ten or more, the, the uh, price is $10 a piece. And I understand that some people are trying to get up groups of ten or more here. So uh, uh, we, will, we will, hopefully we will su- um, uh, support that. All the money goes to Habitat. Uh, our fall challenge... I was handed this again. Who counted this? One of our deacons. This week, the men brought in 97 items, and the women brought in 202 items. For a four-week total, and this is it, folks. This is it, guys. 
For a four-week total, the men had brought in 263 items, which is barely more than the women brought in today. And the women have brought in 529 items. All right, so looks like the men are going to be uh, providing Valentine's dinner for the women this year, and I hope you like peanut butter and jelly. Or have we given that all to Christian outreach? <laughs> uh, but, but uh, you know, as I said last year when we did this, the real winner is uh, Christian outreach and, and, and the people who are in need of food during this time. Um, can we go ahead and take up the ballots of our, our deacon ballots? Huh? Oh, you already got them. Okay, good. Thank you very much. In that case, let us stand. Oh, there's another one there. <laughs> Okay, the 14th, 13th, I'm sorry, 13th, the Joy Lunch, and, and Summer Bennett will be uh, presenting the program like she, like she did last year. If you remember last year, she was one day away from giving birth. <laughs> so uh, uh, we, we'll look forward to a, a wonderful program. Let's stand for our benediction. We know, oh God, that we need you. And we are here today because we came to worship you. And you have not let us down. You have come to us. You created us for your glory and for your service. But we confess that we have sinned in our thoughts, in our words, and in our deeds. And so we pray today that you would teach us the meaning of true repentance. Forgive us of our sins, O God. Mold our hearts and our wills that we may love and serve you more perfectly. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.